Chapter 40 Sisters She parks her truck behind the house, Nix whispered into the receiver, to keep people from knowing where she lives. What do you think happened to her parents? Jordan asked. Nix had called the Frosts, forgetting Jordan was out of town. Luckily, his dad had a number to contact him in emergencies, and this was most definitely an emergency. I'll ask her next time I see her. Hey, Fawn, your parents dead or what? Next time you see her, aren't you living with her? Nix peeked around the corner into the dark living room. She didn't come down for dinner, Nix whispered. I literally haven't seen her except for in the hallway when she was going to the bathroom. She went to the bathroom in the hallway? You are such a dork. So how are the new parents? Fine, I guess. Nix glanced at the dishes piled in the sink. They aren't making me do chores yet, so that's something. Are you sure my mom didn't call your dad in freakout mode? No. He's going to go check on her in the morning, try to clear things up. A bubble of guilt rose in Nix's throat and got stuck. Had she betrayed her mother? I guess that's proof, Jordan said, that Brian is full of crap. Which begs the question, does Fawn know who Pillowhead is? I doubt it. Why would... The line clicked, as if someone had come on or hung up. Hello, Jordan said. Who is this? Came a male voice. Nix quickly replaced the phone on the switch hook and tiptoed toward her room. Although Mr. and Mrs. Cherry hadn't forbidden her from using the phone, Nix didn't think sneaking around in the middle of the night made for a great first impression. Nix was only a few yards from her door when Mr. Cherry appeared at the end of the hallway. Nix nearly wet herself. Can't sleep? Mr. Cherry asked. He sauntered toward Nix. Why hadn't he turned on the light? Clearly he was the one that had picked up the other phone and heard Jordan. I called my friend, Nick said softly. I hope that's okay. Of course. He drew close enough that Nix could make out his face in the gloom. He wasn't bad looking. He kind of reminded Nix of an older, less psychotic version of Daniel Fry. Since we're both up. Cold sweat broke out on Nix's back. She prepared to pile-drive the man into the wall, but he stepped past her. Why don't I give you a reading? Nix's curiosity pulled her along in his wake. He led her into a small sitting room that had been decorated for maximum mystical effect. Crystals and tassels everywhere, animal skulls, gothic metalwork, and even a creepy funhouse mirror. Mr. Cherry tapped a lamp. Purple light illuminated the ceiling and floor. He sat and motioned for Nix to join him across the table. Nix expected him to take out a deck of tarot cards or pretend to read her palm. Instead, he closed his eyes. Hands flat on the table, please. Eyes shut. Nix swallowed and complied. As creepy as it was to be alone with this man she just met, she was kind of excited to see what he would come up with. Had Mr. Sood given him a bunch of info on her to dredge up from the beyond? A bit fuzzy, but I see. Unrequited love. Nix managed not to scoff. It didn't take a detective to guess a fat girl might have a one-sided crush. But while he doesn't return your adoration, he is fascinated by you. That was oddly specific. Nix opened her eyes. Mr. Cherry stared directly back at her, but it was as if he wasn't seeing her. He didn't even react to her opening her eyes. It felt like he was looking past her or through her. Suddenly he snapped up and away as if he had been punched. Are you okay? Nix asked. Was he having a heart attack? Mr. Cherry looked again at Nix. 
but this time he saw her clearly, and he was clearly terrified. What? Nix asked. Mr. Cherry swallowed. You should get to bed. Did you see something? What is it? Maybe he'd seen her paralyzed in a car accident. You're... something's wrong with you. Seriously? Is that what he told all his foster children on their first day? Mr. Cherry's expression softened. Sorry, that didn't come out right. Sometimes when I read people, I pick up a tingle or caress of death. That tells me they will somehow have a brush with the other side. Sometimes it's a health problem. Other times a grandparent dies. Occasionally, if it's a very strong touch, it's the person themselves, and I get a sense of the time they have left. Are you saying I'm going to die soon? Mr. Cherry's eyes wandered to the purple lampshade. You don't have a death caress. Nix relaxed a little. That's good. Death has both hands around your throat and has been squeezing for quite some time. Oh, dear. Mr. Cherry glanced at a wall clock decorated with astrological signs. Now that I think about it, maybe I should take you to the hospital. Nick stood. I'm fine, really. A little tired is all. I'm going to get some sleep. She didn't wait for his response. Nick strode out of the room and right into Mrs. Cherry. Oh, excuse me, dear. Was Patrick giving you a reading? Fawn's foster mother was white, with short blonde hair. She wasn't exactly ugly, but next to Mr. Cherry, it was clear she had married up. Nix forced a smile. Yeah, fun stuff. We'll see you in the morning. It was after four when Nix finally drifted off. She woke at 6 a.m. to the heinous buzzing of an alarm clock. This was strange for several reasons. One, she'd heard it and woken up like a normal person. Two, she hadn't set the alarm. Three, the clock hadn't been there when she'd gone to bed. Someone had come into her room while she slept. Why didn't her new parents shake her shoulder or something? Maybe they wanted to avoid any possible unpleasantness related to sleep-deprived teens. Breakfast was cold cereal, but after the baby food diet, it felt like she'd won the lottery. Mr. and Mrs. Cherry didn't make an appearance. The alarm clock fairy must have put the cereal and bowls out as well. Vaughn's truck was gone, and Nix enjoyed the most pleasant morning she'd had in years. No nagging, no gagging, nothing but the soft, sugary crunch of honey smacks. She felt a lot better about Mr. Cherry's ominous reading now that she'd slept on it. Nix had died a half dozen times in the last couple weeks. Of course there would be some death residue. What it meant was that her new foster father was a genuine fortune teller, or mystic, whatever they were calling themselves these days. Nix was already imagining what Jordan's future would hold. And Tiago. Maybe Nix could pay Mr. Cherry, have him tell Tiago to choose the fat, awkward girl. Since she had time and she didn't want to jeopardize a good thing, Nix washed her bowl along with the dishes from the night before. That ought to earn her some foster points. Nix had no idea where the bus picked students up, so she wandered a short way downhill until she came to a subdivision that skirted the edge of the preserve. After a couple blocks, she saw a group of kids waiting on the sidewalk. A few of them she recognized. Somehow they all knew her and asked for a detailed account of her run-in with McGuckin and what really happened at the Hainsworth mansion a week ago. She learned from one of them that shortly after Nix's scissor talk with McGuckin, he met with someone outside, a block from the school. It wasn't until the lady drove off that the student saw the Channel 6 News logo on the van. Was that why he was carrying those scissors around with him? What other evidence did McGuckin give the reporter? Nix nearly burst into happy tears when Jordan and Tiago walked through Ms. Winkle's door. Jordan was severely sunburned, and Tiago glowed with health. They seemed happy to see Nix but not quite as enthusiastic as she'd hoped. 
Naturally, they'd had an amazing time and wouldn't shut up about it. Nix passed the hour trying to swipe Tiago's notebook and compare his handwriting with that of the mysterious Let's Get Even with Sarah note. But Nix hadn't taken into account that all the girls in class watched him at least part of the hour, so it was virtually impossible to grab the notebook off his desk without someone seeing. She was trying to think of an excuse to ask for it when Jordan brought up her new family. Nix gave them a watered-down version of Mr. Cherry's reading. Neither of the boys reacted the way she'd expected. Jordan was skeptical, big surprise, and Tiago looked uncomfortable and mumbled something about Satan's power. Getting them a reading was going to be harder than she thought. Jordan looked marginally less doubtful when she got him alone and gave him all the details she didn't want Tiago to know, but he wouldn't commit to coming over after school to have his own future told. Nick supposed she understood. Until recently, Jordan had believed in nothing but science and technology. Even if his horizons were broadening, old habits were hard to break. He hadn't brought up getting together to see Nick's new superpowers, so Nick didn't press him. He'd ask when he was ready. As far as the fortune-telling, Nix would just have to get another reading so she'd have more evidence. Then, once Tiago and Jordan were on board, it would be easy to convince Sarah to get her future read. If Mr. Cherry were able to tell Sarah how much time she had left, it would be a great indicator of whether she was still in danger, and whether anything Brian had said was true. Getting Sarah in that house for a reading was Nix's new number one priority— Meanwhile, she'd need to ask Fawn about her part in all of this. Classes crept by at an elderly snail's pace. At lunch, Mrs. Finkbone crouched next to her table. How's the tutoring going? Nix was prepared to throw Fawn under the bus when Mrs. Finkbone spoke again. Fawn said the first session went great. Nix nodded. Yeah, so great. Better to confirm Fawn's lie than to admit the truth and get shackled to a different tutor. She didn't need help. She needed to adapt to four hours of sleep. That way, she might have time for homework, in addition to honing her ghost abilities and keep psychotic kidnappers at bay. She debated trying to find Belly again for a second lesson, but decided it would probably cause more problems than she was ready to deal with. During last period, Nix remembered to ask Jordan how it went with his dad the night before. Your mom didn't answer, Jordan said. The phone or the door. Dad thought about breaking in to see if she'd done anything drastic, but then he peeked through the blinds and saw her puttering about. Puttering about? Is that what fat people do? It was my dad's word. Don't heckle the messenger. Hey, Nix. Holy flip. Tiago had taken several quick steps to start a conversation with her. If first base was getting a kiss, she had just put on her batting helmet. Nix didn't trust her mouth to work when she was flustered, so she simply smiled at Tiago in an attentive way. Tiago licked his lips, and Nix was sure her interested smile drooped into a Neanderthal me-grog expression. I was going to ask you not to tell anyone else about Fawn living in a foster home. Nix blinked. This was not the conversation she had envisioned. Why? I know she's sensitive about it. I found out by accident a few months ago, and she said if I told anyone she'd cut off my eyelashes. Blasphemy! Nix caught herself grinding her teeth and relaxed. I won't say anything, she said. I'd hate to put those beautiful eyes in danger. Nix attempted to bat her eyelashes, but if Tiago's expression was any indication, she probably looked more like a camel in a sandstorm. Wait, Jordan said. You knew about her being in foster care? Then you knew Brian was making that up about Fawn's parents? Tiago shrugged. I thought he might have been talking about her foster parents. Anyway, I told you from the beginning that I didn't want to. Yeah, yeah, Jordan said. 
Let's be nice to everyone. Very inspiring. Tiago scowled and turned more toward Nix, as if to signify that Jordan was no longer part of the conversation. Nix, I also wanted to ask you about the musical, he said in a low voice. I'm kind of stressed. I was thinking maybe you could come over tomorrow afternoon and teach me how to read music. I'll have to check my schedule. Tiago didn't get the joke, but continued to stare at her, as if waiting for her to open up her pocket calendar. Come to think of it, tomorrow's wide open. And if Nix had an appointment to have a life-saving heart operation, she would have skipped it to give Tiago his music lesson. Cool, be at my house at four. Nix laughed. Tiago blinked. Four isn't good. Four was amazing. Leave it to her stupid mouth to giggle with ecstasy at the worst possible moment. I just thought of a joke. Four's good. Tiago stared at her a few seconds longer. You need a lift. No, I'll just ride my bike. She didn't want to be an inconvenience to his parents, and if Tiago was impressed by her athleticism, all the better. Your bike? Jordan asked after Tiago had gone. Aren't you, like, on the other side of town now? Nix grimaced. I suppose I should have asked. Maybe I can borrow Amy's? And I don't think the Cherries is much further than the trailer park from your house, just in the opposite direction. Anyway, I have the whole morning to make it there. As they parted to board their buses, Jordan didn't look happy. Nix would have to make it up to him. Mr. Cherry wasn't home to do a second reading, but Mrs. Cherry came into Nix's room while she was working on her algebra. Dinner will be ready in an hour, Mrs. Cherry said, and I know you just got here, but it would be nice if you helped out around the house a little. Fawn did the dishes this morning, and it really puts me in a good mood. Maybe you could do one of the bathrooms? Nix opened her mouth to tell her who had really done the dishes, but Mrs. Cherry had already gone. Whether Fawn had lied or Mrs. Cherry had made an assumption, trying to correct her now would sound whiny and petty, as if she were trying to get out of doing the bathroom. And that was only if Mrs. Cherry believed her. If Mrs. Cherry trusted Fawn, things could get ugly fast. Nix closed her math book and went hunting for cleaning spray. Since the bathrooms weren't nearly as repulsive as the trailers, Nix was able to get both spotless before dinner. Mrs. Cherry seemed quite pleased. Nix chose that moment to ask if she could hang out with Tiago for a few hours the next day. Nix almost fainted when Mrs. Cherry acquiesced without an argument or a lecture. The Cherry household really was the promised land. Nix still felt guilty for abandoning her mother, but if Mrs. Wack didn't care enough to try to get her daughter back, there wasn't much Nix could do about it. Fawn came out for dinner at Mrs. Cherry's insistence, but it was much like Nix's first lunch with Ms. Winkle and Beryl. Very little speaking and a lot of pretending not to be mortal enemies. When Mrs. Cherry went out back to water the trees, Nix tried to start a conversation about Brian. Fawn ignored her and started on the dishes. Nix tried various subjects. Sarah's haunting, the supposed note from Tiago, the musical, Quincy, any out-of-town friends Fawn may have. The girl only turned up the water, presumably to drown out Nix's voice. Nix wiped the table and piled the plates next to the sink. Thanks for doing the dishes. Fawn didn't say anything. Nix was about to offer to dry when she noticed the mascara running down Fawn's cheek. Are you okay? Fawn swiped the plates off the counter and strode out of the kitchen, water still running. Mrs. Cherry rushed in. What was that? She asked, a second before noticing the pile of shattered crockery. Nix glanced toward Fawn's room, then grimaced at Mrs. Cherry. I'm so sorry. They slipped. <laughs>